0: Hi everyone, I'm Tara Mont, and you're listening to the Trust and Thrive with Tara Mont podcast, where you can find a new episode released every Thrive Thursday. I am a current clinical psychology graduate student passionate about all things to do with mental health, relationships, healing, self-reflection, and other topics that influence us in our everyday lives. I created this podcast to hopefully inspire others to live their most authentic life and to share insightful and honest conversations with everyday individuals and informed professionals. Although the show is not a replacement for therapy, I hope the conversations had can inspire you to look within, to practice self-compassion, to gain more awareness, and to trust the process of your unique journey. If you resonate with the message of Trust and Thrive, make sure to subscribe and stay tuned. You can also stay connected by following me on Instagram at trustandthrive. Thank you for being here. Now let's get right into this week's episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the show. I'm so happy to be back after a few weeks off of the show. It seems like so long when I take a week off, when I take two weeks off, which is pretty rare. So I'm glad to be back with a new podcast cover, which is very exciting. It just felt like it was time for an update with how much the show has grown and evolved. It just felt more professional and accurate to what I hope the show can be moving forward. And so I wanted to thank you all for your patience and understanding. If you want to stay updated on the show, you can definitely find me on Instagram and TikTok, but I post updates on Instagram at Trust and Thrive. So that's where I'll share any updates in case we decide to take a week off, anything changes. But moving forward, we should be good to go. Should be smooth sailing. But I'm definitely trying to be more compassionate with myself, take care of myself, and remember that taking a break is not the end of the world. I remember a few years ago when I started the podcast, I felt like I could not take a week off. I felt like I had my all or nothing thinking where I would be so extreme, which relates to this episode, which is on perfectionism, because I thought, okay, if I don't post every week, I'm doing it wrong. I'm a failure. And I used to really have that all or nothing thinking, which was very harmful and exhausting. So I'm really trying to take care of myself and remember that taking time off, resting is part of growth and success. And, and so I'm really glad I'm working on that. And talking to this week's guest was such an important reminder that I am enough. The show is enough and that I don't need to be perfect. That does not exist to be worthy, to show up every day. And so I want to thank this guest and introduce her. Her name is Dr. Menizhe Turner. Dr. Menige is a licensed psychologist in private practice in Los Angeles, California. She specializes in a variety of mental health issues such as OCD and related disorders, addiction, and codependency. She is a leading expert on overcoming perfectionism and building an authentic life. As the founder of Perfectionism University, an online platform for self-help, her goal is to create a community where we can all unlearn perfectionism and start our journey of embracing imperfections and owning our enoughness. If you want to learn more about Dr. Meniger, you can follow her at Dr. DR. Menije, M E N I J E, that's m-e-n- i j e on Instagram. You can also visit perfectionismuniversity.com and all those links will be in the description of this episode. So in this episode we chat about the connection between perfectionism and people-pleasing and anxiety as well, how perfectionism affects relationships. So I really enjoyed our conversation and personally really resonated with it. So I hope you enjoy. I hope you're able to take something out of it, whether or not you relate or you know someone who may be struggling with perfectionism. And once again, this show is not therapy. It is not a professional resource. Please remember that While I am studying to be a therapist, I'm not a licensed therapist at the moment, and even when I am, this will still not be a replacement for therapy, because every situation is so unique, and it's so important to talk to a professional about your unique situation so that they can work with you personally. So that being said, let's get right into it with Dr. Menizheh. Hi, Menige. Thank you so much for being on the show. I'm really excited to have you here and touch on such an important topic that I'm sure many people relate to with perfectionism. So, to start off, can you maybe share a little bit more about yourself, um, how you got into the field you're in? And just a thank you, by the way, for being here. I'm really excited.
1: Well, thank you so much for having me. It's really my pleasure. And I do love talking about all things perfectionism. So I'm so happy to be here. Just to introduce myself, I'm a licensed psychologist here in Los Angeles. And my journey of focusing on perfectionism started on a personal level. About a decade ago, I read Brenna Brown's book, Gifts of Imperfection. And through that book, I had the realization that that it, that's what I was kind of like dealing with and struggling with that behind my constant anxiety and feeling guilty of that I didn't do something right way or didn't meet somebody's expectation, constantly feeling like I was just, again, not good enough. I, I come to understand that the, 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 this was a pursuit of perfectionism that I was never going to achieve. And what happened after the following years is I move forward with my degree and in therapy sessions, I start to see so many other people also struggling with perfectionism. And what's interesting is often people come to therapy, understandably complaining of mood, depression, anxiety, or relationship issues, breakup issues, uh, normal life experiences, And it's not necessarily people come and tell me I deal with perfectionism. Well, they do now more because of, I think, Instagram. But initially, that's never really what people complain about. But through doing therapy, I start to see so many people were also underneath it, again, with addiction, OCD, trauma. There are so many things linking back to perfectionism. And that's how I became more and more interested in something I personally experienced and found it in my clients to be an issue as well. So it became kind of a... Yeah,
0: thank you so much for sharing. And that's really interesting too, because I think a lot of people grow up and they maybe that becomes their identity. They think, oh, I'm a great student or I'm just a perfectionist when it comes to schoolwork and maybe becomes normalized. But I'm curious with your work and your clients, what you've seen What is obviously every situation is different, but what have you noticed? Like, what's a general time or an issue where people come in? Like, is it when it becomes debilitating? Is it when it feels like it's too much for them? When do people come in and say, I'm tired of being a perfectionist? It's exhausting. It's been too much. When do you notice that usually?
1: It is when I think things become uh, too debilitating. And I think we all reach a point where enough is enough, where we Uh, I personally, again, needed to reach that point where I had to decide for myself that I needed to love myself first. And I know these, some of them may seem like such cliche buzzwords, but they're genuinely very true that we have to get to a point where we realize what we're doing is not helping us anymore and that we are suffering from it. And that's, I think, the other trap with perfectionism is that initially it seems very rewarding. And I always like to validate that Perfect performances, perfect experiences are rewarded, reinforced, overvalued, and over recognized. And so it's really initially quite easy to be mesmerized by perfectionism. And it's again, it's very enticing. It's very kind of like there's a temptation. However, over the over the course of time, you start to realize that there's never a finish line. And that was one of the things I genuinely experienced where you know you achieve something, and this again, figuratively speaking, perfectionism as this person that keeps pulling the finish line farther and farther away from mm. you so the harder you run you're like okay yeah. i see the finish line and then you think you can grab it and it gets pulled farther and farther away from you. and that's where i think you reach a point where you realize i can't go on like this this is never getting better and so i think that's what part of the reason why people come into therapy when it gets too debilitating again whether it is anxiety or mood uh, substance use so they're self-medicating or eating, eating issues, body image issues, sleep issues, relationship issues, uh, struggling because of perfectionism. That's
0: so interesting. It's such a good point. Because personally, I, I can relate to that thinking like, Oh, I'll do this. Once it's done a little more, I can, I can always do more for this paper or work on it more before I share it. And the goal keeps getting pushed farther. And you're so right about that. And so for someone in general, who is thinking, Okay, well, what is being a perfectionist really mean or look like? Can you maybe define what that is in general? And what are some misconceptions you hear often or ways that it's been normalized?
1: So perfectionism, by definition, obviously, it's a pursuit of, of, of doing things perfectly. And what that means is that it could be related to tasks where perfectionism is about performing and completing tasks perfectly. And other times it could also affect the way we show up in relationships where we find ourselves pursuing what we, what we call perfect relationships. And then that will lead to list of traits like people pleasing, always being available, never saying no, having a hard time setting boundaries, having a hard time with conf- conf- confrontation, confronting people, assertive speaking. Um, so perfectionism is is about wanting things to be perfect, whether, again, it's tasks, routines, or relationships. It's always about doing more, achieving more, even being more. So you might find yourself thinking, I need to be happier. I need to be more energetic. I need to be more physically fit so I can run faster. So there's this idea of who I am. The being that I am also needs to be, again, better than ever and perfect.
0: I'm so glad you brought that up because I think sometimes when we think of the term perfectionist, we think of like work or tasks or school, but sometimes even like the wellness space and taking care of ourselves can have a perfectionist mentality of I need to be improving and, you know, self-development, all of that, which is also another version of perfectionism. And so in general, how do you think, of course, every situation is different, but what are some ways maybe people become a f- perfectionist? Or the real question is, how do you become a perfectionist as a child? What can that look like? Or some examples?
1: I would say that the best way to self-explore that question is to look at sequence of events in your life. So you really want to look at the your life story. You want to look at your timeline. And most definitely, it does start in early life experiences. So I think it's very fair to start looking at your relationship with your parents. But I want to say that very carefully because I think it can feel like a very cliche or repetitive answer to say, well, look at mom and dad. What did they do wrong? And that's not the intention here. However, we want to recognize and we have to, by research, know that parent-child relationship is the most, you know, it's the most formative, you know, years. That it's it's the very first relationship we build. It's the most important attachment relationship we have. So for those reasons, I do recommend people start from childhood, and then I will ask them to move on with other life experiences. Obviously, let's look at school. Let's look at relationship with teachers and peers, coaches. Uh, then look at. High school to graduate, uh, undergrad experiences. Obviously, nowadays we have to look at social media. So, having said that, I think it's really important to look at all your life events and life experiences. Specifically about parents, what I do want to explain a little bit more is what we know from research is that there are different types of parenting style that can play a role in perfectionism. So, the most Commonly known is where you have a parent who is very demanding. When you have a parent who is very achievement-oriented, we know that that is most definitely going to trigger or create perfectionism in the child because the only way they can get the mom or dad's attention and love and appraisal is by doing well, by getting the A or winning that softball game. So we know that, yes, demanding parents are definitely one type of parenting. However, there are other types of parenting that you want to look out for. Because again, a lot of people are like, my parents were really nice. Or my parents didn't, you know, they were, nothing happened. And it's not like, again, we're not looking to villainize our parents here. But we really want to understand the relationship. Because what we also have seen during pandemic is when parents are overwhelmed, And when parents are struggling, then uh, they meet their child's basic needs of, you know, safety and, you know, shelter and food, but they may not be able to have the mental capacity to do anything more than that. So what happens to the child is they feel like they have to be the funniest in the room to get dad's attention. They have to be, you know, the most helpful kid in the house or the helpful sibling in the house to get mom's attention or get extra cuddle from mom. And again, it's not to villainize any parents here, but helping us understand that there are so many different parenting experiences that can play a role in perfectionism. And and at the end of the day, perfectionism is about, um, there's this core belief that I am not enough as I am. So we do things perfectly to get belonging, to get a sense of belonging, to get a sense of connection. And so again, when you have a parent who's overwhelmed and overworking, then you may not feel that sense of connection and belonging with your mom and dad. And you may feel like if I just be the perfect kid, I might get that love and belonging. Yeah,
0: that's so interesting. And I'm glad you mentioned that it's not always like some big trauma or you grew up in an abusive household. And I think that is a misconception that you know, if you were financially supported and nothing like huge and terrible happened, that everything was perfect. And I think it's so important to, you know, realize that our childhoods too are not so black and white. It's not like I had a good childhood or a bad childhood. Like you can acknowledge that your parents did some things great and you didn't get certain needs met and that's okay too. And you also talked about siblings and kind of roles that you play. Like say, for example, maybe you have a sibling who, you know got in trouble more and you feel like you need to be the good kid i feel like that could probably be another example of perfectionism a way that you would develop it and so connecting to anxiety i'm so curious because it's one of those questions like is it the chicken or the egg first like say for example someone with anxiety having perfectionism or was it they were a perfectionist and developed anxiety what have you noticed in general i mean obviously every person is so different and unique But um, how, in general, do you see perfectionism connecting to anxiety?
1: It's very much connected. And it is the dilemma you kind of mentioned that perfectionism can be the cause of anxiety or the symptom of anxiety. So I think it goes down to, honestly, there's no right or wrong answer. It's a very personal experience where a person may feel like they have, because here's what we want to look for, is when you address your perfectionism, do you still have anxiety? If so, then it may be that the anxiety is a core problem here versus I can give myself an example. For me, it was more the perfectionism. That's the problem because as long as I can take care of my perfectionism and tame it and and, and keep it in check, my anxiety seems to be in normal levels. Uh, And obviously, I want to say that intentionally because we all have anxiety. We're supposed to have anxiety. Anxiety is a good feeling, but it's this elevated unhealthy levels of anxiety always is present for me when my perfectionism is trying to be in the driver's seat. So you really want to look at your own relationships and decide for yourself, like uh, which one might be the core problem, because they are definitely could be a cause or a symptom. So what we know with the anxiety and perfectionism is that if you have an anxious mind, then you may turn to perfectionism as a coping mechanism. You may falsely believe that if I just do things perfectly my anxiety will settle down versus you may have a uh, very perfectionistic expectations, which, which means that you have very high, unrealistic, unattainable expectations of yourself. And because they are so high, me- meaning they're so grandiose that you inevitably get anxious as a result of those expectations. So in that case, what we won't want to do is Focus on those perfectionistic rules and one by one learn to reframe them and change them and make them more reasonable, attainable, realistic, flexible, so that you are guided by more authentic and more meaningful morals and and, and you're guided by more meaningful values. Because when you were mentioning earlier, what are some of the myths around perfectionism, One that I get is that if I let go of my perfectionism, I'm going to be mediocre. And that, you know, if I let go of my perfectionism, I'm going to be like with no direction. I'm going to be, I'm going to be careless. I'm going to have no ambition. I'm not going to be motivated. And people, I think, again, part of that black or white thinking, they falsely believe I'm either perfect or I'm lazy. I'm either perfect or I'm irresponsible. I am either perfect or I'm a bad person. I am disloyal. And so we want to help people understand that when we are rewriting these perfectionistic rules you have for yourself, our actually goal is to go from a toxic place to a healthier, more loving, more compassionate place. Not the, you know, the the, the goal is not to, uh lower the bar and 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 now live by your morals and your values it's it's to be more reasonable for sure
0: and so like you mentioned would you say that dichotomous thinking is very common with perfectionists of like you know there's no room for one mistake kind of defines everything if you make one mistake is that common i know you mentioned like black and white is that something you see a lot
1: definitely definitely so when we were talking about definition of perfectionism aside from having high expectations of yourself or other people uh, the other traits of perfectionism again whether it shows up in tasks or relationships it is having that all or nothing thinking so it it's I'm um, either always available to you or I am uh, I am neglecting you I am always you know working out on a healthy person or I am ruining my health and so perfectionists, biden definition it's divided into two halves and it reinforces the idea that it either has to be perfect or it's a total failure
0: yeah and so you mentioned perfectionism connecting to possibly becoming a people pleaser so do you see the connection between perfectionists and lack of boundaries because if they think oh well i need to show up all the time i need to be the best whether it's in work or their relationships they may not know how to set boundaries is that something that you see as well that's common
1: Very common. It's very common in the way that we show up in relationship. Perfectionism impacts the way we set boundaries or lack of it, or the way we communicate our needs, the way we attend to emotions. Because what happens with perfectionism is that you may often put other people's emotions before yours because their emotions seem more important than yours. And there are a couple reasons to this. One, As I mentioned earlier, core belief in a person with perfectionism is that they are not enough as they are. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I am not talented enough. I am not funny enough. And so I am just not enough as I am. And therefore, I am not lovable. Because I'm not enough, I am not worthy of love. I am not worthy of belonging. And the only way that I can secure belonging is by being perfect. So, perfectionism, in my opinion, becomes a tool we use to restore that sense of connection and belonging we're desiring. So, if I be the perfect friend to you, you will never stop loving me. You will never stop wanting to hang out with me. You will never abandon me. You will never neglect me if I'm perfect friend, perfect partner, perfect family member to you. And so, I think that's one way it shows up. Another thing to be mindful of is. We think that, that in perfect relationship, there's never a problem. We falsely think that in perfect relationship, we always get along with our partner. We're always sexually attractive, attractive to them. We always, you know, want to hang out with them, that we always like the same thing. Like, I want to eat this food. You want to eat it too. You want to watch that movie? I want to watch it too. And so, and those are just like the daily stuff. Then there's the harder things of like confronting, um, asserting your needs, saying no um, setting those boundaries and asking for help also with perfectionists tend to be very difficult because they think that if they're asking for help, they could be a burden to other people. And then they, that friend won't want to be my friend. If I burden them with my problems, they will want to walk away from me. I also wanted to mention though, what's interesting about perfectionism. I have seen two opposite versions of it in people, meaning Some people with perfectionism, as we mentioned with task, can be very high achiever and always looking for the next project to complete or always looking better ways to do whatever they have accomplished. So you have that classic type A personality that people think what perfectionist is. And then you can also have a completely opposite version where perfectionists are procrastinators, where they delay starting Something, or they have a hard time finishing what they started. They can be very indecisive. They can, you know, delay making decisions. So again, you can have two perfectionists. One is a again what you will call an overdoer, high achiever, and the other one, what you will call a procrastinator, an indecisive person. And the reason that those two things, those two people are perfectionists, is because they both have the same underlying core perfectionistic expectations of themselves. It's just that for one person, they respond to those expectations by saying, all right, let's get to work. I'm going to be the A-plus student versus the other person says, oh, my God, getting an A is so impossible. I'm just not going to start even studying
0: That's so fascinating and such a good point, because I think any examples we see of perfectionism, even in the media, has to do with like the type A person or the person who like really excelled in their careers. And so for someone who their whole lives, maybe they have been a perfectionist and they have been defined by that. They feel like, oh, that's what got me so far in my career. That's what's made me a good friend. That's how other people know me. they're starting to explore this part of themselves and maybe work on it? For example, maybe they don't know who they are without the perfectionist side. What are some ways they can start to explore that part of themselves if that's all they know, if they feel like their whole identity has been defined by that?
1: Absolutely. And I think that's why overcoming perfectionism is a journey on reconnecting with yourself. Because what we're doing here is Building a healthier and more stable sense of self-worth for those of the, for those people with perfectionism who are very you know high achiever and overdoers. What happens is that they believe that their their um, worth is measured by their productivity. Most of my clients always agree with the following statement when I asked them, "Do you think the following?" They said yes, which is. I am how well I do something. And so what we're seeing here is that we want to overcome perfectionism by redefining and reestablishing our sense of self-worth. So what does that mean? Trying to understand what does worthiness look like? What does being worthy mean or look like for you? Because you might be already doing some of those things. And that's the catch. So, one way to answer that question of like what does wordiness mean for me, I really want people to look at their values. They often will say things like honesty, they will say words like connection and laughter, joy, adventure. Um, they will say things like creativity, whether they are an artist or they're a chef. Um, so When you look at the things that you value and then you connect with those things and you focus on being present and participating in those things and not necessarily how they turn out, I think you start to really find more genuine meaning in life and find, like you start to enjoy the body and the soul that you have. I
0: love that. That's so beautifully said. And now on the other end for someone who is maybe supporting a loved one who they believe is a perfectionist and they're, you know, maybe they're really hard on themselves or they're working on breaking those patterns. How can a loved one support that person?
1: I think the best way to support someone with perfectionism is to be our imperfect self. Because one of the things I also tell people who just to go back to the person who has the perfectionism, one of the things I always ask them to do is share their imperfections. I genuinely ask them to, as a I get this question for like, what can parents do? And the answer is to show, share, talk about our imperfections, to talk about the mistakes we made, and maybe at times in a humorous way, and other times in a very vulnerable, tearful way. We may need to, you know, process an imperfection that happened that day, or we may need to laugh about an imperfection that happened that day. Nonetheless. So the thing we need to do, again, for the person who has it or the person who's supporting a loved one is to allow it to be there. Because the other thing is that imperfections are everywhere. They're part of who we are. And what happened in our perfectionism is when we're trying to do things perfectly, is that we start to disown any imperfection we have. We start to reject any imperfect feelings we have. We start to criticize any imperfect moment we have. So we want to do the opposite of accepting, holding space for our imperfection, talking about it, seeing it for what they are. And ultimately, what we're also doing is tolerating it being there. And that's what we really need is to be okay with having imperfections. And I think it will get easier. So for those loved ones, I would say, you know, don't hide your imperfection, share those imperfect moments. But I do also want to say that you cannot do the work for the other person. So because what happens with family and friends, they compliment the perfectionist, right? They're like, "But we love you. You're so wonderful." Or they might say something like, "Oh, don't worry. I make the same mistake." Like that kind of reassurance giving unfortunately doesn't it's just a band-aid. Yeah. For sure. To to your loved ones like so it sounds like you made a mistake today at that meeting. And then ask them to talk about that imperfection and show them, I can stay with you while you are feeling your feelings around this imperfection.
0: Yeah, that's such a good point because I think trying to dismiss it or say, it's okay, it's okay, almost adds to it saying like, oh, that is a bad thing, but I'm trying to make you feel better about it. You know what I mean? So I think that's such a good point as opposed to acknowledging like, oh, this happens, I'm here with you, I'll sit with you. And I think that's, you know, that can be very hard for anyone to accept and sit with if they are a perfectionist because I imagine per, as a perfectionist, especially in the past, it's easy to judge other people for not having those high expectations or, you know, wanting to reach those goals, for example. And do you see that judgment is very common? If you're judging yourself, then undoubtedly you're going to judge other people for not wanting to be the best or not, you know, reaching their highest potential, whatever that may be.
1: Definitely. And what, what we know from the research is that there is something called self-oriented perfectionism, where all your perfectionistic expectations are targeted at yourself. So you are always, you know, analyzing yourself and evaluating how perfectly you're doing. So you are, you're, you are pretty much going after yourself, versus the other model is other-oriented perfectionism, where your perfectionism is targeted at other people, where you want other people to be perfect, act perfect. And so this typically shows up in relationships or work environments. So in relationships, what happens is that a lot of couples conflict can happen because one partner is constantly having these high, unrealistic, perfectionistic expectations from their partner that 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 person can never meet. And again, they come to couples therapy and you kind of see this perfectionism in the room. Or at work, you may have other oriented perfectionism where you don't like anybody's work. And therefore, a lot of times you may not work collaboratively with other people because you think that they're never going to do it again as perfectly as you want it to be. So as and in those situations, inevitably you start to disconnect and distant from other people. And there there doesn't tend to be a lot of unity in the work environment uh, because of the perfectionism.
0: Yeah, definitely. And that's important to know too, because I think especially in the westernized culture and talking about hustle culture, grind culture, sometimes we take pride in those unhealthy dynamics. Like for example, if someone says, "Oh, I like to do everything myself or I never need help as if it's a good thing. So how do you think like hustle culture, even social media, and just these messages we receive like on a day-to-day basis about even looking a certain way as a woman in the US, how do you think that affects our level of perfectionism, whether we have it or not, and even just our level of confidence and self-esteem?
1: It hurts it ultimately. And that's that's why I think perfectionism is a mental health issue. I don't think perfectionism is a compliment. I don't think perfectionism is same as being motivated, ambitious or doing my best. What perfectionism really is is it's toxic and it is a war against myself. As I was saying earlier, there are things about me that I'm really good at and there are things about me that I'm not very good at that I have shortcomings. I have strengths and I have weaknesses. And if my perfectionism is all about my, you know, positive accomplishment, my strength, and it wants to dismiss and ignore any of my shortcomings, ultimately I'm having an internal battle with myself. And when we talk about other oriented perfectionism, I'm having pretty much problem with everybody. And I, and, and the truth is either you've been in those situations or, you know, someone who has that doesn't get along with anybody. And I say this absolutely when I talk about other oriented uh, perfectionism, you know, if you have a friend or if you're somebody who's constantly feeling like relationships are not working out and friendships are not working out, you want to have an honest conversation with yourself if there's any perfectionism in it. This is not the same thing as you can't be picky. You can't have preferences. Of course, everybody has preferences and we're not everybody's cup of tea. There's always going to be somebody who doesn't like me. Okay. So the idea is not that everybody likes me or it's a big sign. Somebody doesn't like me. It's this idea that like if every relationship one after another seems to run into a problem and you yourself are saying that I can't, I can I can't maintain a long-term relationship. That's when I think we need to be honest and look at perfectionism um, in those situations. And Um, I also wanted to talk a little bit about like that whole idea of like asking for help, because again, we want to be very, um, I think open-minded that perfectionism shows up in different ways. So for someone listening to this, because of their perfectionism, they may never ask for help because they may say, asking for help is a sign of weakness. I have to do it on my own. And, and then another person with perfectionism where they may think I'm never going to get it perfect. So I must always ask for other people's approval or opinion. So they may be always asking for help. They may always be following somebody else's footsteps or afraid to be in charge of something. And you really want to ask yourself, like, look at your behaviors and ask yourself, what is the, what we say, like, what is the purpose behind it? What is the function behind that behavior?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. And it makes me think, too, about how people answer, like, what's your biggest weakness, for example, in interviews. And they always say, like, I'm a perfectionist thinking that it's <laughs> it makes you look good. <laughs> so I just think that's so funny because, you know, I think we reframe it sometimes to make it seem like it's such a good thing that, you know, I can do it all on my own or even the idea that, like, I don't need anyone in my relationship or I'm independent as opposed to reflecting on why you may actually feel that way. So, I think in in general, I know we talked about therapy and different ways people can start to reflect on these parts of themselves, but for someone who is listening to this right now, what is one thing they can do either right now or right after this episode to start reflecting or working on their perfectionism if this sounds if this resonates with them.
1: I think the most important place to start is understanding your perfectionism. And I know this may sound too simple to people because they may say, well, I live with it. I know it, but I don't think that's the same thing because being in your perfectionism is not the same thing as trying to step away from it a little bit and trying to look at it. And so I want people to really start tracking their perfectionism. That's where I would like people to start. and really understand, you know, what kind of situations they may have, what we call self-oriented perfectionism and what situations they may have other oriented perfectionism You might want to look at, I have many people, you know, share their experiences with me on social media where they say they have both, where they can be on high gear and do it all, give it 110% and then midweek crash and then go into total opposite of procrastinating and can't move a muscle. So your perfectionism could be both. And you really want to understand and start tracking those things. And I think one way to track your perfectionism is looking at your emotional state. As we already talked about, perfectionism is debilitating. Perfectionism is not joyful. Perfectionism is not restful. So I would ask people to notice the times that they are feeling exhausted, burnout, overwhelmed, anxious, anger, irritability. That's another big one. Because again, I think a lot of us quickly think of Anxious, exhausted, but we forget that behind your anger, irritability, frustration, impatience, short temper, lies perfectionism. So again, I want people to look at those emotions when they're feeling them and notice that they're feeling those emotions and start to observe what is going on that is making me anxious. Well, I feel like I'm running behind. And what's so bad about running behind? But I have to be on time. Why do you have to be on time? Well, that, you know, and oh, that's wrong. Well, it's it's nice to be on time, but everybody runs late time to time. It's because it's imperfection. It's unacceptable for me to run be, uh, be behind. Um, it's 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 you know it's 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 unacceptable and uh, intolerable for me to um, say no and cancel last minute. But here I am all frustrated and stumping my feet as I'm getting ready for this dinner plans I made.
0: Yeah, I love that. Because I mean it's so true. I think sometimes we just create this narrative that like, this is how it is. Or, you know, this is my family told me or this is what I believe, like believe, but we don't really reflect on, well, what's going to happen? Like, what's the worst that could happen? So I think that's so well said. And so Overall, the show is about living your most authentic life. And of course, that looks different for everyone. And I love to ask every guest this question because everyone has their own unique answer. So how would you define living your most authentic life?
1: Being kind towards myself. Most authentic life means that it's going to be imperfect. And I have to always, every single day, be kind and graceful and forgiving towards myself when hiccups happen because they happen every day in some shape or form. And I learned and continue to remind myself that the compassion I gave myself yesterday needs to be repeated today and will be repeated tomorrow and the next day. And so I think being authentic means being kind towards ourselves, being compassionate, loving, forgiving, understanding.
0: That's so beautifully said. And you brought up such a great point of acknowledging that, you know, recovering from perfectionism or healing from any journey or anything you're dealing with is a journey. It's a lifelong journey. It's not like you wake up one day and you're not a perfectionist and everything's fine. And I think too, when it comes to whether it's growth or even self-care, I've had moments where I thought, I'm resting right now, but it's, I'm not resting in the right way. And it's another form of perfectionism. Like I'm not taking care of myself in the right way or I'm not healing and growing in the right way. So what are your thoughts in general on self-compassion throughout the process? And maybe what would you say to someone who thinks like it's a destination to heal or to recover from perfectionism? Um, what would you tell to them?
1: I think the honest truth is that we have to surrender. We have to surrender that the more you know about yourself, you realize how little you know about yourself. So I think that we have to surrender and and, and come to an acceptance that, as you mentioned, it is a journey, it's a process. And, And maybe also think of it as a gift you're giving yourself. So how wonderful it be if compassion is a gift you're giving yourself, you give yourself that gift every day. Um, obviously, I don't mean, I don't want to make this example in a monetary kind of way. But imagine every day is your birthday, and you get a gift. Nobody would say no to that. You know, nobody would say, Oh, please don't give me a gift. I'm like, Okay, sure, what's inside, you know, it could be just a, you know, bottle of your favorite, you know, soft drink or something. Um, So I think that you want to really think of some of these practices as a gift to yourself. And then hopefully, it will become a little bit more interesting to keep giving that gift to yourself every day and not be like, well, I already got compassion yesterday. I don't want it today.
0: Uh, That's such a great way to put it. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. And thank you for being here and for touching on a topic that I'm sure so many people, you know, experience and deal with. But it's so internal that not everyone sees it all the time. It's not always looking like it doesn't always look like from the outside, a super successful businesswoman who, you know, is working all night. So or, someone who has a, you know, straight A. So I'm really glad you mentioned it. And lastly, I wanted to ask you, what would you tell to young um, Menige, who maybe was dealing with perfectionism and didn't know what they know now? And now that you like looking back, what would you tell to your younger self if you could tell her something?
1: I will most definitely tell her that she's enough. And I would tell her to enjoy the moment because there is so much joy in the moment that gets hijacked by need to be perfect. And if she were to know, which she learned later in life, but if she learned it younger that she's enough as she is, I think that um, she would be more present in the moment and have more fun and have more joy. Thank you for sharing that. That's
0: so beautiful. And I'm thinking I would tell my younger self the exact same thing if I could. So thank you so much. And lastly, I just want to ask if there's anything coming up next for you, for your work and where listeners can give you follow and, you know, follow your great Instagram page with wonderful, beautifully made content.
1: It is honestly the best way to connect with me or stay in touch with me is Instagram. And that's actually genuinely because I enjoy it. And I like connecting with people. So I would say Instagram and the handle is Dr. menije It's D-R dot M-E-N-I-J-E. And I'm actually putting together a mini email course overcoming perfectionism where i put together six steps for people to use but again if they follow me connect with me on instagram they will get all that information and thank you so much again for having me here of course that's
0: incredible well thank you so much again and i'm so happy to have connected with you and i'm just really thankful so thank you thank you And so it's pretty funny how before recording this intro and outro, I was really struggling with self-compassion because I felt like I didn't do something perfect in my own life. <laughs> um, as I started to record the intro for this, I thought, okay, I really need to take the advice and words that Dr. Many just shared. And one reason I really do love recording the show and having these conversations is, is because I learned so much about myself and others. And every time I chat with someone, I think, oh, wow, this sounds familiar, whether it's about me or someone I know or a topic that I'm just interested in learning about. And so I just want to thank all the guests who have been on the show. They take time out of their day and they show up and it just means the world. So thank you. So once again, if you want to learn more about Dr. Menige, about perfectionism, about her work, you can give her a follow at Dr. on Instagram. And you can find me on Instagram and TikTok at Trust and Thrive. I am also currently updating my website. I'm updating a few things, so feel free to check those out in the description of this episode where I will include links as always and if you would take a minute or two to leave a rating and review on Apple iTunes that would mean the absolute absolute world so thank you in advance for doing that it really really helps the show and that being said I hope you take care of yourself you check in with yourself this week I know I need to I'm personally feeling a little burnt out I just started my next quarter of class it's been a really busy work week as well and back to the podcast so i'm just feeling a little little close to burnout but i'm i'm really really trying to take care of myself so i hope you do the same take care of yourself check in with yourself and your needs and i will catch you all next thrive thursday